the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God planned or devised to do something with the evil that you planned. One translator said, but God turned it to good. Their actions weren't good, but God took their evil actions and turned it into something good. I think he tells them, I'm not sure you've ever come to that place of recognizing that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We often quote that verse concerning the lost, but that's not who it's written to. Read the context. I want to say it's six. It's written to the saved to encourage us to live in the grace that God's given to us already, to walk worthy of our calling right now. Today is the day to trust the Lord to rescue me again, to rest in Him and His finished work. So the question is, are you? Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Genesis. Throughout the book of Genesis, we have seen God's redemptive plan unfold over the pages of history, a plan that would cause a man to leave his home and dwell in tents most of his life, a plan that brought children to barren wombs, restored families that had been torn apart for decades, and saved thousands of people during a great famine. Last we saw God working through Jacob to bless his sons, giving them their inheritances and prophesying over their lives. Jacob has died. He was given the burial of an Egyptian official, but buried in the land of Canaan, next to Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Rachel, and Leah. Now the other sons of Jacob are worried that Joseph will turn against them since their father is dead. It is here we pick up with Pastor Will in Genesis chapter 50, verse 16. So they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Your father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray you now, the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did it unto you evil. And now we pray you, Forgive the trespass of your servant. Do what dad told you to do. The uh, uh, The trespass of the servants of the God of your father, and look at what Joseph does. What's his, what happens when he hears this? Breaks his heart. And Joseph wept when they spoke unto him. Now we have no record of Jacob telling the sons to do this. It doesn't make sense that he would do so and then not tell Joseph, hey, make sure you don't hold a grudge against these guys, Joseph. They, they, I know they're, they're, they got issues, but you know what? They're still your brothers and you need to forgive them. We can't be absolutely sure they are lying, but the evidence leans toward the fact they're making this up. And see, this is the problem with assuming the worst about somebody and trusting your own assumptions over what the person really says and has really done. We take things into our own hands and often respond with sinful behavior. Even if they have done wrong, even if what you have perceived to be true is true, we are commanded by God to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21, right? Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The word overcome there is a command. It's in the imperative. It's to say, you know, love one another. There's no difference. Overcome evil with good. 
whether it's perceived or real, the evil. Because when we don't, all we do is cause more emotional pain. The word here for wept, it's not the blubbering or sobbing, but it's that welling up of the tears in the eyes as one is trying to hold back the emotions of pain you're experiencing. You ever had that happen where someone really hurts you and you look at them and you're trying to hold it back because you think all this pain, if I let it come gushing out right now, it's, it's not going to be good. And the tears start to well up and you're trying to res- hold restraint and respond properly, but you're so hurt and that emotion is so strong. That's what Joseph is feeling right now. Their actions deeply wounded Joseph. And it would have been very easy for him to lash back at them for their horrible thoughts toward him. How dare you? But Joseph's character holds firm. And he puts a sharp stop to the crisis by not repaying evil for evil. Verse 18. His brothers also, after they send the messenger, then they come. And it says, they fell down before his face and said, behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? Joseph, what a man of character. I don't know if I could have done that. I'd be like, you know what? Get out. (laughs) Get out. I'm done here. You sell me as a slave? I I, I take care of you? All I've ever done is be good to you? And now you think dad's dead? I'm all of a sudden going to turn into, you know, whatever? Get out. He doesn't say get out. He says, fear not. Joseph gets right to the heart of their problem. He doesn't chasten them for thinking the worst about him. He addresses their unreality with reality by telling them that their fears are completely unwarranted. Fear not. And you know what, guys? Any relationship, whether it be marriage, family, or friends, is based upon giving and not receiving. And when you decide to stop giving because you're not receiving, Joseph could have done that here, but he didn't. When you, when you decide to stop giving because you're not receiving, it begins a downward spiral that we keep passing the buck of doing the right thing to the other person. Oh, really? Well, blah, 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 blah. your turn. I'm not doing the right thing. I'm going to lash out back at you. And we, that's what we keep doing. You do the right thing. No, you do the right thing. No, you do the right thing. I don't want to do the right thing. You hurt me. Well, you hurt me. And if you continue that downward spiral over and over again, some of you have been there. Most of us have been married have been there at one point in time. The sad truth is that it can all be stopped at one moment by one person refusing to perpetuate the spiral. No, you can't move forward until both people are working on the relationship. I get that. But you can stop moving backwards. And you can give the other person their best shot at joining you in doing the right thing when you do the right thing even though they don't deserve it. You know, love is about laying down my perceived rights and being unconditionally devoted to the other person. You know who taught us that? Jesus. He said, I love you. and Nothing's gonna stop me. I'll, I'll become a man. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I have to do. I'll come die for you. None of you wanna step up to the plate. I'll come die for you. I'll come live for you. I'll take your place. I will give even though you're still sinning against me. That's what the Lord did with us. Joseph, if he says, fear not, he just says, for am I in the place of God? Literally, it means, have I succeeded God? Did God? Did God get voted out, you know, and now I'm on the throne? What Joseph is stating this, he says, guys, I'm a submitted man. I'm not gonna go free will on my own as act as if I'm God and decide the fate of my brother's. 
You know, that's a great mindset to have towards others when they've wronged us. That's what Paul tells us in Romans 12, right? Don't take vengeance, right? But let it pass. Step out of the way and let God, let God do the vengeance thing. That's his gig, not mine. But you, you treat your enemy good. You overcome evil with good. And yet, there's something else I think that Joseph is conveying when he says this. For am I, have I succeeded God? Because then he says in verse 20, but as for you, well, as for you, I'm submitted to God, but your actions today show that clearly that you aren't. And it's possible you guys have never dealt with the evil you did in the past. He goes, listen, as for you, you thought evil against me. That was your plan. But God meant it to good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. When we talk about overcoming evil with good, I think some Christians think that that means being a doormat for Jesus. Particularly in marriage, when we have one partner that's you know, much more open to change and repentance and, and doing things the right way than the other one is, sometimes you tell them and say, well, listen, hey, whether they're doing their part or not, you do your part. And you think, that's not fair. Well, of course, life's not fair. I don't, I don't want to have that discussion tonight. But we try to explain that, you know, listen, you do it as unto the Lord because you're being obedient to him, not just to do the right thing for your spouse. And, and it can very easily think, so you tell me I'm supposed to just be a doormat, just be treated wrongly my whole life. Listen, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I think it's possible to respond in kindness and gentleness, but still confront someone's wrong behavior like Joseph does here. He says, listen, guys. And he doesn't confront them first. He, he allays their fears first. He says, don't be afraid. I don't think I'm God. I'm, I'm, I'm submitted to God. But then he turns to him and he says, but what about you guys? This thing that you've done, have you ever dealt with it? Because here's how I see it. Yes, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. God planned or devised to do something with the evil that you planned. One translator said, but God turned it to good. Their actions weren't good, but God took their evil actions and turned it into something good. And I think he tells them, I'm not sure you've ever come to that place of recognizing that. I'm not sure you've ever come to the place of receiving God's forgiveness where you can be okay with that. He confronts their wrong behavior. So I think we can do that. Bound up in this statement is something beautiful. That even though there are evil things formed against us, God can turn it to good. Isn't that our promise from Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things, what? They work together for the good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purposes. Well, Verse 21, now therefore, fear you not. Let it go. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly unto them. You want to know what overcoming evil with good looks like? Right there. You ever have someone treating you evil? Go right here and say, okay, God, I'm going to speak kindly unto them. (laughs) No matter how hard it is to force those words out. Trust me. You may not change them right away. might not change them ever. But you'll know in your heart you reflected Christ because that's how he speaks to us. You know, they didn't deserve this treatment, but it was what they needed right now. And so Joseph took that pain, gave it to the Lord, and met them at their need. Well, verse 22, come to the very end. Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, 
Joseph lived for 110 years, much less than Jacob, his father. But he saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh. They were brought up upon Joseph's knees. So he had a beautiful life, got to see his kids, and his, I mean, grandkids and great-grandkids. But finally, verse 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I am dying. We normally think of death as an end, sometimes maybe even the end if it's someone who is very close to you. But Joseph is about to remind them it isn't. See, there are others who will live beyond him. There are others who will live beyond us. The ultimate question of our lives, of course, is whether or not we know Jesus. But a second important question is, what impact did I leave on those I interacted with? There's only two things you can take to heaven with you, right? Your relationship with the Lord and some of the people that you interact with. So that's an important question to ask. What kind of impact did I leave on those I interacted with? You know, when we look at the book of Genesis, as it starts off and begins, where does it begin? No death, right? No death. But then Adam sinned, and the universe changed. And from that moment forward, as we saw this morning in Romans, death reigned. And so from a certain standpoint, Genesis could actually be seen as the beginning of the end, right? This is where it all started to go downhill. This is where it all began. Because unless your name is Enoch, your story ends the same as every single one of these guys in Genesis Quote, and he died. So when we look back at Genesis, we look at our time here, it can be very easy to see it as the beginning of failure, the beginning of wickedness, the beginning of mankind's destruction. And yet I think Joseph at the end of his life shows us something very different. He speaks of continued life, we'll see it in a moment, of God's plan, of the perpetuation of faith and of redemption. And as such, I don't look back at 50 chapters of Genesis and see the beginning of the end for mankind. But I just look at it as the end of the beginning of what God does in his love for mankind. It's a start, not a finish. A beginning, not an end. And this is our message that we must pass on. This is the impact that we must leave with our lives. That God so loved the world that he didn't leave us to our own destruction. That he intervened and he's not finished with us. Joseph left that legacy to those who remained after him by doing two things, reminding them of God's plan and proving his own faith in it. Here we go. He says to his brothers, I'm dying. God shall surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Joseph leaves a legacy not of death, but of faith, of life. He starts off, and the first thing he says is, God will surely visit you. Again, doubled for intensity. This is important. God is not aloof. He will keep his promise. And what was it? To bring them into the promised land. And to prove to his brothers that he believed this with all his heart, he made them promise to bury him in the promised land when God finally did visit them, just like his dad Jacob did. You ain't gonna leave my bones here in this place. This is not my home. Yeah, I spent most of my life here, but it's not my home. And whenever the Lord visits you, you make sure wherever my coffin is, you pick it up and you take it with you because my bones belong in God's promise, not here. Turn back over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. 
Because here's a crazy thing. We look through at all these women and men of faith. And I think out of all the things that you could look at Joseph's life to talk about where he exercised great faith in the Lord. Hebrews 11.22 says these are Joseph's two acts of great faith. These are the things we're going to remember his life by. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and he gave commandment concerning his bones. The two things he did right here in Genesis 50. These two things. That's so crazy. I I would have thought God would have brought up keeping his eyes on the Lord during all the bad times, like when he got arrested and was thrown in jail unjustly, or maybe when he was sold as a slave, or maybe when he clung to God's promise when he was in the jail and the two guys forgot him and he he had translated Pharaoh's dreams. No, these two things. And you know what that shows me? That living for the Lord today is of what's of utmost importance to him. Not what I did 10 years ago, good or bad. You know, living in guilt is just as dangerous as resting on your past victories with God. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You hear that? We often quote that verse, today is the day of salvation from 2 Corinthians. We often quote that verse concerning the lost, but that's not who it's written to. Read the context. It's written to the saved to encourage us to live in the grace that God's given to us already to walk worthy of our calling right now. Today is the day to trust the Lord to rescue me again, to rest in him and his finished work. So the question is, are you? Are you look back and you see a life of sin and disappointment and does that hold you back from walking with God now? Or do you look back and think, well, ah, those were the glory days. I wish I could return to those. Was right now the moment where you are more in love with Jesus than you have ever been. Hmm. But you know what? It also shows me how much it means to God when we trust him instead of what we see. Because in reality, Joseph and his family were the farthest the family had ever been from seeing God's promise realized, weren't they? They're not even in the same country right now. But Joseph chose to believe what God said rather than what he saw. And I believe that touched the father's heart. For Joseph to make that declaration, I wonder if there was applause in heaven. They thought, man, I can't wait till this guy gets here. He has trusted me to the very end. Well, verse 26. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him just like his father, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And thus that concludes our study of the book of Genesis. But you know what? We can't conclude our study of the book of Genesis without remembering the context of the writing of Genesis. It's not when these guys are alive. These guys are long dead by the time this is being orated to the people of Israel. Remember, Moses is at Mount Sinai telling tens of thousands of people where they came from and why they're here now. Do you know, I wonder what it was like for the men who carried Joseph's coffin every day to finally find out why as Moses finishes the story. Can you imagine what it was like when they woke up the next day and they picked that thing up? I wonder if they lifted it with a bit more purpose. We're going to get you there, Joseph. God's going to finish what he started. See, as he tells this story, it's to a people who are thinking, where are we going? Where are we headed? 
Who is this God that's brought us out with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand and done these mighty miracles? They, they didn't know him for 400 years. They, they, they just lived under that Egyptian slavery. They didn't know him. Moses has revealed all these amazing things. I wonder if those guys grabbed that coffin and thought to themselves, we're the next link. We have to pass it on. We have to get him there and we've got to pass it on. That if Joseph believed God and here we are and God did visit us and now his bones are with us, well then I guess we can trust him to finish the task, right? Of course, the other option is to what? Choose to disbelieve. And then faith, the story ends with them. As we move on from Genesis to Exodus, Genesis is a beginning. We'll find that sometimes God's people carry that torch, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they pass it on, sometimes they don't. But for every person of every generation, the same question is posed that the foundation of Genesis lays for us. Will we see our lives as an end and live to preserve it to the maximum fulfillment until it's over, just live for self, Or will we see our lives as part of God's continuing work of redemption? A beginning, not an end, but a beginning in order that we might share it with others. It's a good question, isn't it? Whatever your answer, I want to encourage you tonight. Make it your goal from this moment forward to trust God, to live for him, because then we won't have wasted 50 chapters of our time. Only then can we really look and say, I'm ready to move on to Exodus. I want, it, I want this to be a marker in my life that I'm not looking at all the things that I face as an end. You know what? I've got a job to do. I'm a link in the chain. I want my link to be strong. So that when we move on to Exodus, we move on with that foundation that God can build on top of it and we can continue to grow and mature. Amen? Let's all stand. As the team comes forward to close us out, will you join me in prayer? It's always a unique time, Lord, when we finish a book. We've just kind of sat with you for a while, and Lord, we saw the wonder of creation, we saw the horror of the flood, we saw your grace in choosing Abraham and and Isaac, and a lot more grace when we saw you choose Jacob. And Lord, now we've come to an ending. But Lord, we want it to be a beginning. We don't want these 50 chapters, the last year that we've gathered together, to be a a time where we just filled our heads with knowledge or we learned a little bit more about Genesis. But Lord, we really want it to kickstart, to be, Lord, a place that we, we can build on top of. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We want to be that strong link in the chain. We want to do our part. And we want to pass it on. So Lord, we surrender our lives to you. Take them, Lord. <laughs> Lord, they're weak. They're like Abraham. They doubt. They, they worry. They take things into their own hands. Lord, they're like Isaac. We just lose sight sometimes. Lord, they're like Jacob. We, we take do things our own way. We run, we fight with you. But Lord, just like in all their cases, you brought them around. You finished the work that you started. Lord, here we are. Take us. 
Teach us to trust you. Teach us to follow you. Teach us to obey you. And lead us out, Lord, wherever it is you want to take us. From this point forward, we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everything in life comes to an end. People die. Relationships fail. Nothing on this earth lasts forever. But we have the opportunity to be part of something bigger than our lives that spans over the course of history. It is God's magnificent plan of salvation. He created the universe and put man in it. Man sinned and turned away from God, their sin creating a gap. But God didn't leave us there in our sin. He loved us enough to make a plan that one day we would be able to stand before Him and see Him face to face. It is all because of His continual work. This is what we saw in Genesis. This is what we will see in the book of Exodus. God is always working to move us closer to Himself. Should you have questions about anything or would like prayer concerning today's message or for anything at all, please reach out to us. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.